What if this is as good as it gets? TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy Friday, getting ready to start a good weekend. Summertime draws near, including in the Pacific Northwest, sometimes indistinguishable from the other three seasons. I remember people in Seattle saying, June is iffy. Well, if you are preparing for summer, it's on the way, and hopefully June's going to have some warm temperatures. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. And we are joined at the board by bad boy Benny Mathers. Benny, what is the forecast? <laughs> it is a little bit, uh, well, it's not overcast, but it's trying to peek through. Earlier in the week, though, as you're talking hot temperatures, it was pretty warm here in the Seattle area. We did get into the 80s. Everyone freaked out. Uh, yeah, the <laughs> usual. And then we're back to normal, uh, you know, low 70s, which is perfectly fine by me. You know where there's more sunglasses sold than anywhere else in the United States? Right here. Seattle. Yeah. People lose them from year to year. Get where they put them. I love that stat. Best stat ever. As soon as it starts to be 80 or above two days in a row, what we're seeing out here at the local Fred Meyer is that all the shelves have been emptied of fans. They're hard to come by. In fact, there's a veritable black market in the parking lot. Right getting up to $500 per fan. Pandemonium. It, <laughs> it's fandemonium. Oh, hey, where is my, I gotcha. Oh. There we go. Enjoy those warm temperatures and hopefully some sunny skies. The big yellow crayon is coming out to stay for a while, fortunately. Today, we are going to talk to someone who does not live in Seattle. Yeah, in no. fact, she lives in what appear to be idyllic surroundings, such as would appeal to a Suzanne Mitchell. Absolutely. Way in the Northeast. If, if according to her online presence, she's still doing that, why don't we find out? This is her third time on air with us. Good. And the last time was a couple of years ago. So let me give her a proper introduction. Ani Anderson knows that emotional pain and frustration contain life's juiciest opportunities for success. She is the number one best-selling author of Find Your Soul's Agenda, co-creator of Sensation-Based Mindset, CEO of New Health, Inc., and we're going to find out today about Motivation Beyond Measure. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell, Ani Anderson. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And it's sunny where I am, too. <laughs> Are you in New York? Yeah, I'm in New, New York, York, right next to Vermont. Next to, oh god, That was probably us waving at you then, waving back, because in 2019, Suzanne and I were in Vermont, staying in Burlington for a few days, and we saw Lake Champlain, and we were told, as you're looking out across the water, that's New York. Yeah, and that's where I am, right in the Adirondack Mountains, so you must have been waving right at me. When we were in Burlington, Vermont, uh, when and you're in New York, how far away are you f from looking across Lake Champlain at Burlington? I am looking at Lake Champlain right now. It's right outside my house. Okay. Very pretty part <laughs> of the country. Very pretty. It really is. I love living here so much. 
I'm curious to know, Ani, because we're on this subject and we have plenty more to talk about that is of estimable, practical value to our listeners. And we will get to that. But I'm just curious enough to ask you, Ani, how common are the references to, is it called Champ? They're the, the supposed monster. Our answer to the Loch Ness monster there in Lake Champlain. <laughs> You know, it's very common, and in fact, Gary, I was just talking to somebody about CHAMP today because I was asked to be on a radio show talking about paranormal events, and CHAMP does live in Lake Champlain, so. I've heard people say, you know, it's just an overfed sturgeon, but impressive nevertheless, but nothing paranormal or prehistoric. (laughs) I I don't know, I mean... Occam's razor would indicate that there must be a simpler answer that would conform to the known facts there. (laughs) However, it must be great for tourism. People go out there on their boats or even swimming like you do, wondering if they're going to encounter this behemoth. Yeah, it is kind of fun. In a wedding picture that we have right on the lake, there seems to be what we call in the picture champ. Oh, look, it's champ. I think it's just a buoy. But um, it's really fun to talk about, and the people who come up to the area do mention it quite often. That's great. It, it's nice to have legends here in North it America, is. as elsewhere in the world, yes. <laughs> when you were on with us before, Ani, we talked about your soul's agenda. It, it's nice to think that our souls actually do come down here and have an agenda that we can fulfill or not fulfill. And when we yeah. were talking to you about coming back, we thought that uh, one good topic, well, a couple of good topics, one having to do with stress. And I wanted to mention something to you. And that sure. is that I got my my second COVID vaccine on May 4. So exactly a month ago today, I got my second one. And I have to tell you, I felt the stress completely lifted from me that I had Mm -hmm. been under for a year or more feeling like, oh my gosh, what if I get the COVID-19? What if I get the pandemic? You know, what if I Mm -hmm. get sick? What if Gary gets sick? I mean, I went through a lot of, of, uh, a lot of fear, which I've talked about on air I did not handle it well, but when I got my second vaccine, it was like a switch went off and I completely changed and the stress was lifted. Are Mm -hmm. you finding that in dealing with people that that's very common, that people's Mm -hmm. stress is actually beginning to lift? Yeah, I I am. And I think one of the interesting things that's happening now, I, I, agree my experience was very similar to yours as soon as I got my second shot boy I felt so much better Um, but one of the interesting things we're noticing now is things are starting to open up and so it's bringing with it a whole host of anxieties and stressors that I don't know if we were anticipating or not anticipating but frankly it's happening and the response that I'm noticing from a lot of people is that of almost sticking the heels into the ground because we're tired of change. We're tired of change. And so I was just talking to uh, a client who is being asked to go back into the office space and she doesn't want to, you know, Ah. things have been really stressful and she figured out how to navigate 
I'm not a fan of talking about the new normal, but I'll just see like we've figured out how to navigate whatever has been our circumstances over the pandemic. And now that things are opening up, there's more change afoot and people are tired. People are tired. And so, for example, she was saying, I don't want to go back into the office because if I do, there's a whole host of things to be concerned about. But I figured this out about how to work from home. I figured out how to be here. Um, and all the things that I'm dealing with. And so I just don't want to see any more change. Uh, so we're noticing a lot of that. We're noticing a lot of, you know, those heels sticking in the ground. So I've just, I've had it and I'm tired, but I've got what I'm doing now. And I'd like to just keep it like this. It's interesting. Are we just creatures of habit that we don't want to change? Is a human being just wired in that way? Yeah, we really are. Our neurology is wired to stay the same. And the reason why that is not just important, but uh, really works for us, because I think we hear that sometimes and think, oh, I don't like that. But the way that really works for us is because we're creatures that can learn something and then not have to think about it, but be able to go on with our lives and do that thing. So my, I have two teenagers right now who are going to be learning to drive this year. And so when we get behind the wheel of the car, they're paying attention to everything. They have to because they need to learn how to drive. But then eventually, like me, they will be able to get behind the wheel and just drive, and they won't have to think about it. And that's one of the wonderful things about us being able to learn something and then stick with it is we don't have to think about it. So our bodies are designed to learn things and then basically fulfill that program of whatever we learned. For whatever it's worth, we learn things as, as kids, as children and babies that we may or may not <laughs> want to be running those programs. Um, and through conscious change, we can change them. But yes, our, our bodies are designed to learn and then to stick with that, that learning so that it's the, the new thing that we know how to do and we don't have to think about it anymore. It's actually a really great design. It's a great design for its elegant practicality and what i have learned over the years is that if you practice something consistently for about 21 days whether it's doing something or not doing something you can affect behavioral change i don't know that it it revamps your personality or recreates yourself but in 21 days you can learn a new skill or form a new habit and then it becomes so consistent and so characteristic of you that at least one line of thinking states that for you to act otherwise after you have ingrained the new habit and mastered that new learning, it would feel strange for you to behave otherwise as though you weren't being really you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a wonderful design that we can have both the stability and the flexibility to change it. It can be frustrating when we don't understand that we have conscious choice to change things. And, of course, sometimes, like with the pandemic, change is imposed upon us. And that feels differently to our system. Although the response actually physiologically is the same, it feels different because we feel like we didn't choose. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. And we did have to make a a lot of changes as a result of that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about whenever I've had to learn something new, especially with the computer, because I, I'm not all that tech savvy. 
But when I've had to learn something new on the computer, I, I tell our webmaster, you know, just show me how to do it, but don't expect me to understand it. You can teach me like a monkey to do mm -hmm. these things, but you can't ask me to figure out what it is that I'm doing. Just show me. And so there are mm -hmm. things, you know, that I go through like that where I can get the job done if I know how to do it, but I can't really figure it out. And so when you're talking about change and, and choice, conscious change, you know, I'm thinking that um, if we're wired to, you know, as Gary said, lead a very practical life by being able to do things more or less unconsciously, I, I would think there is just a whole lot of resistance to change, whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. The response is that the response in our system is that, hang on, I've figured it out. Like my program is working just fine and I'm not dying. So it must be fine. You know, so good or bad, there is a lot of resistance to change. You brought up a really interesting point in the, the conscious and the subconscious mind because the conscious mind really is only about 5% of our mind power, which means that the subconscious mind, which includes the body, by the way, is 95% of our mind power. You know, that's a lot. That's a big deal. You know, when it comes to change, Ani, I think that what I think is most prevalent is that we want change, but what we want is other people to change. <laughs> we, we want them to... <laughs> one is easier than the other. Guess which one? Right. Well, if only they would change, then everything would be fine. <laughs> and, and don't we all fall into that? And, oh, and, yeah. that's, and that's really about how I don't want to change, but I would like you to. Mm -hmm. and, and so, yeah. boy, talk about your traps. You know, if you're not willing to make a conscious change because you like things just the way they are and you understand them and you can work effectively and, you know, we're wired for not changing it just seems like we want the change, but we want it to happen elsewhere and not where we're sitting. There's so many things that we want to find the easy button to, isn't there, in life? Yes. And I think yes. that's one of them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it reminds about... me. Yes, please, go, go ahead. Go ahead, Gary. No, I was just thinking about in healthcare because my background's in healthcare, you know, people want to find the pill. And I mean, this just goes along with not wanting to change. There are things that we need to do for our health that require our effort. Um, and we just really would rather to take the magical pill. Um, but there are things that require our effort, which I think is interesting because people also complain about not having enough energy. And when we put the effort into things, we actually can, depending, you know, on a number of things. But we, when we put energy in, we can gain more energy. You know, there, there, it's not like we're going to sit back, do nothing and get energy. So there's something about energy begets energy. We don't want to put the energy in, but we want to have the energy, you know, to, to feed us and feed off of. I just think that's kind of interesting. And yet we run up against old beliefs or the beliefs with which we have been conditioned. And I'm thinking specifically of those poor souls. I mean, I'm speaking of them posthumously now. But weren't you amazed with your background in healthcare to hear these stories in 
generally red states where there wasn't a lot of mask wearing and there was a, a, a heap of scorn greeting news of the seriousness of this pandemic before various revelations came forward during an election year. And you would actually have nurses mournfully talking about how they tried to connect dying patients, dying of COVID, and put them in touch with their family so they could say goodbye over an iPhone. And what they got mm -hmm. was a hail of abuse because the dying patient refused to believe that they had anything worse than the flu and that this COVID business simply wasn't real. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you're working through that kind of stuff. That's heavy, heavy resistance for somebody in mm -hmm. healthcare. My heart goes out to those people, those professionals, we call them the frontline heroes and how they not only had to do their job like professionals and at great risk to themselves, they also had to deal with flat denials. I mean, this is the COVID version of the Flat Earth Society in some places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that we got to see really what belief systems, what it's like to watch people through the lens of their belief systems. I think that's one of the interesting gifts, perhaps, that the pandemic has exposed us to, because we do a lot of talking about beliefs and the way that we think and our conditioning, but we actually got to see things like you were talking about there, Gary, where we can look at somebody and go, wow, like, look at your belief system. I'm just watching it unfold, and you don't see it. It's the water that you're swimming in for you. And it makes me wonder when I, when I see things like that, for me, what are my belief systems that are the water that I'm swimming in that I just can't see that are just completely running my body, my mind, that I just don't even I, – we don't even realize it when beliefs are really ingrained because it is just the way things are for us. So watching those things unfold on the news, as unfortunate as many of them were, opportunities for us to see how – hoodwinked we can be by our beliefs you know yeah that's that's a good point um i i think it did bring up a lot um i've always been intrigued by people who think exactly the opposite of the way i think i scratch my head and i i say how can they think that how can they think like that and and i know there's as many perspectives in the world as there are people and yet, you know, how do we come together to affect the kind of change that we would like to to have? And you work not only with individuals, but you also work with groups. So when mm -hmm. you're working with a group of people, that dynamic must be very interesting if those people are not all in lockstep. How do you affect a change with a group of people? That's a good question. I think one of the things that's really important is to have some, what if they group guidelines, like here's the way we're going to behave together. And when we work with groups, one of the key guidelines about working with the group is that we need to come with an open mind. Because if we don't have that tenant for how we're going to behave as a group, then closed mindedness can take over. And uh, when our minds are closed, we're not even willing to entertain what anybody else is is thinking or feeling, but it's that open-mindedness or, or really curiosity that allows the doors to open and then allows for the transformational process. But without that curiosity, without that open-mindedness, 
I don't think we really can go anywhere. At least that's been my experience. So when we run any kind of programs with groups, we always set up tenets of behavior. And one of them is we're going to approach each other with an open mind. I like that experimental approach. I've heard that described as an experimental life. One is living when they think in terms that you just articulated. Other people, they are well rutted, deeply so, and they would see something like what you're talking about, this openness to new experiences to change as being inherently very dangerous. I've met Mm -hmm. people like that. Sometimes that person's been me, depending on my circumstances. And other times, as I like to say, going through the crisis door, I managed to change behaviors because the other way wasn't working at all there. But when Mm -hmm. people try to decide to experiment with their lives, I see that as courageous. They are willing to take a chance on a behavior that may or may not serve them, but they don't know if they don't go into this new pattern. Mm-hmm. I agree with you wholeheartedly. There is a lot of courage around uh, being open-minded. Um, and unfortunately, like you described, many people who refuse to be, and believe me, I've done it too, right? You don't, you aren't willing to accept change until the pain gets bad enough in your life. So we do have a choice whether or not we want to embrace an attitude where change is welcome in our life, but inherently that's risky or it feels risky anyway in our body. It does feel that's right. This is now we get back into this, this fear element, fight or flight. If something Mm -hmm. is painful enough, we're going to make some kind of change, but it's this overthinking brain over the tendency to overthink issues that allow us to conceptualize fear to the point where it feels like a hardened attitude. And that's when we're Mm -hmm. our own worst enemy. We've turned yeah. fear into this this Goliath, and here we are with our little slingshot hoping to make our lives better somehow. Mm-hmm. I think one of the interesting things about fear, in my, in my opinion, is that it's not an intellectual activity. It's something we feel in our bodies, and it's the feelings that we feel. It's the sensations that we feel around the fear that make it feel real. So whatever is a perceived threat or a perceived risk, feels real because of what we feel in our bodies. Uh, Oftentimes people don't want to have that level of conversation with me. We're going to entertain a conversation about the body, even though that's kind of funny, right? Because it's, you know, takes up a lot of space. We drag it around wherever we go. But but anyway, um, in terms of fear, we can't just have an intellectual conversation about it and expect there to be sustainable change. We need to have a conversation where we're actually talking about what it feels like. And that's very vulnerable, which again, then we're talking about courage. You know, you were talking a few minutes ago about uh, making changes in groups and you talked about having some uh, tenants at the beginning so that people really understand what the ground rules are. And we are, once again, we are going through these changes as we are coming out of COVID. I went to get my first haircut in a very long time. And I put on my mask to go into the hair salon. And my hairdresser called me over and she said, "Uh, are you fully vaccinated? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, I am too do you want to leave your mask on? I said, no, I can take it off. And then she said, do you want me to leave my mask on? 
And I said, if you're fully vaccinated, I'm fine with you taking your mask off too. And so the two of us were unmasked as it were. And this was her form of having an agreement between the two of us that was going to work in order for me to be comfortable sitting, you know, in her chair and having my hair cut for a, a period of time. I yeah. think when you're, when you're looking at those, the, at, at setting up some ground rules, it seems to me that even more basic than that is respect for each other enough to even have ground rules and abide by them because yeah. she was very clear that you know these were the ground rules you can wear your mask if you want if you want I'll wear my mask it's up to you you know you're the customer I want you comfortable and it's like we cleared all that in the first 30 seconds and then we got on to the business of hair cutting well I can see this playing out over and over again as we are now coming out of the pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do to be respectful for people? I walked into the Costco without my mask. They don't require those anymore. And a whole bunch of people were masked up inside three quarters at least. And I said to Gary, I put my mask on. I didn't need <laughs> to make everybody uncomfortable. And I didn't, you know, need to be, you know, walking around unmasked just because I could and I'm fully vaccinated. Do you see where I'm kind of going with this? I mean, you oh, got to have some kind of respect for people. Suzanne, I, yes, absolutely. That is at the foundation of all of this, right? How can we come to agreements like you said? And And what would it be like if we could really just step back for a second and do that? Um, I think we all would appreciate having some respect given towards us, right? So maybe we can enact the golden rule a little bit and remember that. I think you're bringing up something for all of us to really remember as we're going into this re-entry. Uh, it's so important. Thank you for bringing it up. You are quite welcome. Is this a good time for a break, Gary? Yeah, we're just about there. Why don't we go ahead and do that? We're talking with Ani Anderson. We're talking about making changes Sometimes perforce we make them because we don't know what else we can do. We've tried everything else, so why don't we try this new option or this new behavior? And sometimes we decide to be the captain of our own ship and look at life in more elegant terms for our benefit and that of our friends and associates. It's healthy business, and Ani is about the health of the human animal. We're going to discuss that, and we'll see where it takes us on the other side of a short break. Stick with us. We're Manson Mitchell, and you are tuned in to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. 
Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. More and more these days, it feels like sports are losing out to hype. Who dissed who? Who signed the fattest contract? Who got busted for cheating? Lost 2 is the unique capacity sports have to inspire us, to unite us. Well, great news, sports fans. Sports are still being played for the right reasons. They're still as entertaining as they are character building. You just have to know where to find it. And you only have to look as far as your local Washington High School. You know, the place where the games are exciting, concessions are affordable, and the parking is free. Where the emphasis is on hustle and heart instead of hype. If you prefer real, honest-to-goodness sport played for all the right reasons, you'll find it at your hometown high school. High School Sports. Games are being played this weekend at a Washington High School near you. Okay, everybody. Who's in? This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome Ani Anderson, who has a lot to say about taking the stress out of making necessary changes as we emerge from the shell of the pandemic. On Saturday, Sam Maranto of the Mutual UFO Network weighs in on the recent revelation of documented UFO sightings that shook the American defense establishment. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. On the path to good health and well-being, Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Ani Anderson. Ani, if people would like to find out about your soul's agenda or what it is that you're up to with motivation beyond measure or anything, now is the time to let our listeners know. Well, a good place to find me is at motivationbeyondmeasure.com. And that tells you a lot about our services. But I have to tell you, Suzanne, a great place to find us nowadays is overcomeresistancetochange.com because we have a nice little short five-day mini course about change. It's primarily for people who help people like managers, leaders, coaches, and therapists, things like that. But anybody who watches it will glean a lot of insight about how to both help themselves through change and I mean, sometimes let's face it, it's just as frustrating to watch other people go through change and it's tough, right? So to help other people to navigate change more gracefully, too. OvercomeResistanceToChange.com. And that's yep. where you can find more information about that. I, I just the whole topic of resistance and change and overcoming resistance, I just find so fascinating. Gary and I have talked from time to time, either on air or just the two of us, about changes in our thinking or changes that we made in our lives and what opened up after that. And, mm. uh, you know, it, you can't, you know, we laugh and we tease about how other people need to change, but, you know, if you can change something fundamental in your very own thinking, an entire new way of living opens up to you. And so yeah. I, I like this conversation. 
and, uh, yeah. and what you're doing with both individuals and groups. Yeah, it's true. And it's, it's an experience that if you've never really experienced, you've got to kind of lean in on the people um, like yourself who are, are explaining what that's like when you really fundamentally change something in your life. It really is freedom. And my, my experience, it, that's what it feels to me. It's really freedom. And I've done that a number of times in my own life to fundamentally change some things about how I act, how I feel, how I behave. And there's freedom on the other side. And I think that's the thing to really look forward to because let's face it, change can be uncomfortable and it can be messy and unpredictable. But on the other, other side, there lies a lot of freedom. I have a lot of hope right now that there's a lot of freedom that lies on the other side of societal changes. If enough people can really go through the transformations that we need to change some of the fundamental systems, you know? in our society right now. Now that's big time talk. Yeah, it's, it's big time <laughs> talk. And also it seems to me that when people undertake major changes in their lives, they, they have to be willing and aware, but be willing of the risk you take in your social group to make the kind of change that is fundamental to your well-being, at least as you see it. On the other hand, you are going to run into, and I've experienced a little of this myself. I change this or that about myself, or change my circumstances, and then people react. They don't respond. They react by saying, you know, you change. What, something's different about you. You're not the way you were. I no longer yeah. fit into their prescribed categories for how I should behave. They're in a kind of knee-jerk fashion. Like they see me, they expect this or that type of behavior or a conversation that runs along similar lines for however many years. And suddenly I'm talking like somebody different and people mm -hmm. will find that jarring and some of them find it downright disagreeable. Do you run mm -hmm. into that with your clientele? Oh, yeah, all the time. I think that um, on the other side, side of it, what we need to remember is, like, how to describe this, when a, when a person is no longer in service to our growth in our lives, they will miraculously just not be around anymore. Um, so it happens all the time where there are difficult people, and then all of a sudden, somebody really has foundationally changed their life, and then they just don't see that difficult person anymore, or that other person changes too. And it's kind of miraculous how that happens. But I like to think of it very practically because we can get really upset with people or we can feel very rejected by people when those kinds of things like you're describing happen, Gary. But I like to think of it really practically. It's like if, um, if I was red and the other person was red and then I decide I'm going to be orange, all of a sudden they don't get it because I'm not red. Like, I'm just using kind of like a, a metaphor. So all of a sudden, we just are not thinking along the same lines. And it makes, it makes perfect sense when we start to change the way we think and change the way we feel that there would be a bumping up because all of a sudden, wait a minute, the paradigm just shifted. I like to have as much compassion as I possibly can because it can be very frustrating, especially when people are, like you said, reacting. But we have to remember if people are reacting – negatively, they are in some kind of a stress response. So like Suzanne said, if we can have respect for them and some compassion and patience, 
it'll help us continue through our changes, no matter if that person stays in our life or they don't. I love what you said about being in service to our growth, because it really reminds me of the old phrase about people being in your life for a day, a a reason or a season or whatever that phraseology is, where you, you might have a relationship that lasts as long as your trip to the grocery store or it might take, you know, a, a friendship that goes on for many months or, or years. And then you might have a relationship which actually goes on for most of your life. And, and so when you talk about being in service to our growth, I think that because we are so transactional, many of our relationships are rather short in duration But if we're going to look at relationships that last, it can't be that one person changes and the other one doesn't. Don't (laughs) those people have to change? Otherwise, you're getting in the situation where you're talking about, and, and Gary's talking about, well, you've changed, so I can't relate to you anymore. I think if we're growing, isn't that to be expected that our relationships would change to fit the new person that we are? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm laughing over here because I think people don't like me very much when I say this, but it's true. (laughs) It's one of the reasons why we have family, because so often our relationships are shorter lived, but you can't get rid of the family. (laughs) And so... (laughs) The family you can sure try. <laughs> yeah, you, you can try. But the family relationships are ones that provide us both with such rewarding love um, and depth and frustration. And it's uh, an area for us to continue to recognize that our growth lies within us. Um, I have uh, interesting family dynamics and one one of those dynamics is that I have an ex-husband, and so we're co-parenting two children. And this is a person who I find is very dear to me. He's been in my life since I was 16. And so it's been 26 years, actually, yesterday that I've known um, him. And he's not getting rid of me. I'm not getting rid of him. And yet he's my ex-husband. So there's the opportunity fraught with, you know, stress and reactions and all of that. We try to meet each other with a lot of respect. And we have changed throughout the years, and we continue to change, and the kids change, and then they need us differently, and we change. And it really does, going back to Suzanne's point, require quite a lot of respect to really maintain a relationship in change that can still be positive. Yeah, and and you said, you know, being in service to our growth, we need to know that we are in service to our growth so that maintaining a relationship that doesn't work for us, that keeps us in a box, keeps us small, keeps us from experiencing more because we want to keep a certain relationship, it ultimately really doesn't work for our own soul's growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people want to know all the time, you know, whether a relationship in relationship, they should stay or they should go, right? It's a question I get asked a lot. And 
it's not one that I find personally very easy to answer because it's really very personally situational. Um, there's always an opportunity for us to grow. And sometimes that growth means taking space. And sometimes that growth means empowering ourselves to leave. And sometimes it's just the opposite. And it's empowering ourselves to stay and to listen and to have more respect and compassion. Um, it's, I guess it's that paradox of life, right? Because it's never just one-sided easy answer. No, it definitely is not. And then you may go out to the supermarket. You may go out to your local mall. I mean, people are starting to go outdoors. Now we're no longer the mole people. Increasingly, that's <laughs> the case. When people did venture out for their you know, commercial needs, occasionally they would run into a, a character, which is really kind of morphed into a, a, a sort of singular being that is stereotypical and yet people can say oh this happened that happened when i went to costco when i went to get gas when i went to drop my kids off at school and uh, there were these parents out there that did not want their children to have to wear masks they run into someone who has for whatever reason and usually female i don't know that that's fair but they become known as a karen and so I'm, at this, I'm throwing you a curve. I'm going to telegraph uh, my pitch, Ani. I'm throwing you a curveball. What, have you ever run into someone who could be stereotypically described as a Karen, which looks to me like somebody who has a very difficult time with stress and with change in a, a hardened set of circumstances, and they don't know what to do otherwise, so they act out. Have you run into that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we all have, right? I'm rolling my eyes because I hear that term. I'm not a fan of it. I have friends who are, are named Karen who are lovely people, and my kids have used that term, and I'm just like, oh, it just drives me nuts that we do these things. But, it's, but I get what you're saying, and it's, it's true. We all have met people like that. And so sometimes we have coworkers like that. Sometimes we have family members like that, um, you know, and friends and stuff. And how do we deal with that? And I think we have to always be cognizant that everybody's a human being and everybody's on a path, right? So everybody experiences stress. We all bleed. Um, when, and we all have desires and, and loves and, and things like that as well. So for each individual, what is it really that we care about? I think finding out those things when we have difficult people in our lives is really, really important. I had a person in my life, this was in, a lot of years ago, maybe 15 years ago, who was a coworker. Her boy... She acted like that, and um, I couldn't stand her, and it was really stressful. I didn't want to go to work, and I, you know, it was my place of employment. So I decided what I was going to do was I was going to try to figure out, as much as a lot of me didn't want to, what this person really cared about, and try to actually stir up some conversation about something that mattered to her. And I got to tell you, I, I ended up um, transitioning out of that job. I was offered a new one just about the time when we really started hit it off, which I thought was kind of serendipitous, right? Because if she was in my life um, in service to my growth, perhaps I had learned my lesson. <laughs> so I got a new job. But as we were transitioning out, it was really interesting because I did find that there was a lot of, there were a lot of wonderful things about her, but I needed to take the time to be curious and to engage her in a conversation, understanding that there were probably things that she loved and cared about. I just didn't know what they were. 
I had someone tell me one time that I had made a move in order to complete one relationship and move to Seattle in order to complete a different relationship. And, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really curious, but mm-hmm. there is this idea of, um, you know, relationships that um, do serve our growth and service to our growth, as you said. And when that service has been accomplished or resolved, then it is complete for us. And, mm-hmm. and in that completion, then, you know, we can easily move on, you know, or stay in the relationship if there's, if there's another aspect or something more to be learned from it. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, some relationships stay in our lives because there are different facets to be learned about. It's almost like parts of a diamond, right? Um, And it is interesting how those things change too. Um, So I'm on my second marriage and uh, my second that 10-year mark, right? You've been with somebody for a while. And so I'm noticing for the second time now in marriage how things can just dramatically change. Roles can dramatically reverse from time to time and when they do I am learning something totally different not just about the other person but about myself and it is the same person but it's different facets of them and of me I think it's so interesting it can be frustrating at times for sure (laughs) then you get to practice with frustration and developing what the late great Albert Ellis famous psychotherapist said was developing high frustration tolerance Yeah, it sure can be sometimes, can't it? Uh, I found it that way. I I wouldn't get any more than a C if we were grading on that because (laughs) you talk about low frustration tolerance, which is the the condition being treated there. I definitely could use some remedial work on that. There are times I'll see something so clearly and I can't find the formula or the right words to express to someone that what looks obvious to me is not to them and I don't know how to bridge that gap. Where are we going to meet in the middle? That's right. Yeah. And that's never truer in my lifespan than today. There are people, I'm related to people with whom I simply cannot have a conversation about politics. Yeah. And we're pretty shaky on the subject of religion. So that leaves yeah. us with sex. Talk about that at the dinner table. <laughs> that's not welcome. I don't mind there. But he said, no, we don't talk about that either. So what are you left with? Hey, how about those Mariners? No, yeah, that's okay. That's definitely something you don't want to talk about anytime. <laughs> hey, the Mariners are above 500 right now. Link, things are oh looking my God. up. Things Seriously, are up. did yes. that honestly happen? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> I better start picking. You see, I get, I get blinded to this because the nearest team to me is the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're above 500. They are currently at 29 and 29 right now. All right. Who is? The Mariners. Mariners. Oh, okay. So at 500. Oh so so you did, your, your, your performance there did not match the expectations oh. on the street, just like they keep saying about Biden. All the, we, we've clearly gotten off track. Where's Karen when you need her? By the Miracles way, the, the the name Karen has dropped down to I think 80th on the list of uh, names of uh, want wanting names. Like the, how far it's dropped. 
I don't oh, know if you for baby names? Yeah, for yeah, exactly. I mean, go you figure. You want to name your baby Karen? Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Yeah. You see, now I, I need to start. Maybe I could make some money off this. This would be a GoFundMe, and I'll find a way to get some executive job that I make up for myself, so I can be on salary running the Karen Society, Society <laughs> for the Prevention of Cruelty to Karens. There you go. There's always a buck to be made somehow. <laughs> <laughs> this. This whole idea of, of making change is, it's dynamic. You feel the power while you're doing it. You feel the fear. And I'm going to borrow something that goes back at least to the 80s. And that is feel the fear and do it anyway. I think there's a, there is a grand bargain, Ani, that we make with ourselves that goes something like, I can't stand what's going on now. Obviously, I can stand it or I would have keeled over and died there from what I'm experiencing. But I would rather not continue in this dire set of circumstances. It's just too much stress. And so I'm going to make this change. But you feel like you're walking a tightrope. You're doing something you feel you must do. But the outcome remains uncertain until you arrive and recognize that you've arrived. I think that's the scariest part about change is you don't know when you undertake to make significant change that it's going to turn out well. Yeah. Yeah, and you can anticipate that it will. And I'll tell you, I think this is really important to remember. I believe that the universe is always trying to give us more of what we really want, what we really want in our hearts. And so if we remember that kind of benevolent attitude of the universe, even when things look like they're unpredictable or I can't see the outcome, even if I don't even know what it is that I want, remembering that the universe benevolently is trying to help not just me, but all of us get more of what we really desire in our hearts. I think that gives us more courage to keep going. Or, you know, I want to use the word faith to keep going, because at some point, even your courage won't get you through it. But you need to have, I think, we need to have faith that things are actually turning out for the better for us all. You know, Ani, when I think about uh, overcoming resistance to change, about making changes, I I think the bottom line is, uh, who do I want to be? When you're Mm -hmm. working with your clients and they, in, in either groups or individually, isn't the, that the idea of whether it's a company or whether it's an individual, like, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. Because the, the time. that gives you the direction. Yeah. Yeah. And in our hearts, we really know. In our hearts, we really know, even if who we want to be, even if sometimes we have difficulty putting language around it in our hearts. We really do know who we want to be. And it's important to have that level of conversation with ourselves. Um, And it's important to know, too, that when we can't identify who we want to be, the things that we want to have and the things we really want to do help us to become more of who we really want to be. So whether we're, we're really thinking about it from a standpoint of being, doing, or having, it's all leading down the same road. Well, that makes sense. Tell us about, in in the few minutes we have remaining, Ani, tell us about upcoming work. Do you have workshops? The the kinds of things that you are doing both singly and in cooperation with other professionals and what you hope to achieve by all of that. 
Well, I have some really cool, I'm blessed to have some really cool opportunities right now. One of the things that our organization is working towards is working with another organization that trains consultants to go into companies and do transformational work. And so we're helping these consultants to go into companies and really know how to help people stay motivated and embrace change and stress. So that's one of the things we're super excited about in our company. I always have a small handful of uh, private clients that I see, and that's fun for me because I love helping people directly. Um, But as our company grows, we, we do more of these larger engagements. So another thing that actually my husband and I are both doing right now is we're on an app, and that's super fun. For transformation. It's called um, Huddle Journeys. And both my husband and I are mentors on this transformation app. So that's that's a super thing that our company is doing right now, too. I think all of this is exactly the kind of thing we need more of in our society and in the world, because these are perilous times. There, yeah. The ways in which we view the governing of whole societies is under serious review right now and very stressfully so. We need more people like you there on the front lines trying to show people a better way, a more practical way. Yeah, I agree. Sam BC said that the need for people who know how to deal with stress and anxiety is up 4,000%. 4,000%. It's just incredible. When we, we have a certification program at our company, and when we walk people through the certification program, it's something that we're talking about all the time because a lot of times in the personal development industry, there isn't a talk about stress and the body and how when we change, it affects our physiology. And I really think that we need to have those conversations so that our development and our growth is met with a lot of compassion because we're human beings, and as human beings, we're going to experience stress, and we're going to experience feelings. And just like, you know, the things we don't talk about <laughs> at the table with our family, things like feelings aren't necessarily things that are always welcome conversations, but we're humans. We're going to have them. So I think that's important to remember on our, our growth path. Well, my last word on the subject is the things we don't talk about are the things that run our lives. Mm-hmm. Ani, thank you for being with us today. We appreciate your coming on and talking about stress and change. And we invite people to go to any of your websites to find out more. OvercomeResistanceToChange.com was the one you suggested. And there are okay. other ways to find you as well. Ani is A-N-I, Ani Anderson. Thank you. Thank you, Ani. Oh, I love talking with you too. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Pleasure. We'll do it again. Stay tuned for the Christine Upchurch show, followed by the Susan Harmon experience and then American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Let this be the start of a great weekend, everyone. Bye.